So welcome to another edition of the Be Atento podcast, where we have an amazing gentleman who's doing great things here in the city of Tulsa. We've been wanting to meet with him and talk with him for a while now, and we're really excited for the conversation we're about to have with none other than the CEO and president of 36 Degrees North, Mr. Devin Laney. Hey, thank you. Devin, welcome to the Be Atento podcast. My pleasure. I'm so glad to be here and appreciate the opportunity to speak with both of you. It's going to be fun. Yeah, this is great. Well, I also want to mention that we have a guest host today. Our our uh, podcast producer is actually playing dual roles. Uh, Sean's a little inundated. And so we are going to have uh, Jesse here uh, co-host while he is producing. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. So let's jump right into it. Give us a little bit of a Devin Laney story. Uh, let's start from, you know, your, your humble beginnings to where you are right now. Gosh, yeah. Um, again, thanks for having me. Just so excited. Uh, I am not from Tulsa, obviously. Don't know if you can tell by the by the accent or lack of accent that I have. But I was born in Alabama in a very small town um, in North Alabama. Grew up there. Was really pretty uh, exposed to entrepreneurship from a, from a very young age. So both my grandfathers were entrepreneurs. Um, one of them I knew. One of them I did not know. One had, had passed away before I was born. But he, the one who'd passed away, had started the very first radio station in my hometown, AM 990, WEIS. All right, uh, now. Still, still there. Uh, here you go. And and, and so th- I knew about that, and I knew about that story. And then my grandfather that I did grow up knowing had worked for Coca-Cola for over 50 years, but at the same time had really become an entrepreneur in the cattle business and had built a, a pretty sizable cattle business uh, in my hometown. So, again, small town Alabama, but I was surrounded by entrepreneurship and mm-hmm. Grew up thinking that, uh, you know, that I, in some way, shape, or form, I was probably going to do do my own thing, be an entrepreneur in some way, shape, or form. And I had the opportunity to go to college at the University of Alabama. And, uh, there it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, <okay. laughs> um, and, and I'm the first person in my family to be able to go to, to, to college for your Congratulations, college. man. Thanks, Trendsetter. Man. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that's, you know, it's such a big deal. And I think about, like, the fact that entrepreneurship really allowed that to happen. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you really want to go even deeper, the reason I am literally even here, yeah. the reason I exist is entrepreneurship because my grandfather who started the radio station was not from the town that we started the radio station. He, he, after World War II, came to that town mm. to start a radio station. It's where he raised my, he, his wife raised my, my mother. Mm-hmm. She ended up meeting my father in that town. It's the reason I'm here. I exist because of entrepreneurship. And wow. so if you can get real deep yeah, with it or powerful. you can, yeah, yeah, you know, or, or, or just look at it and say, well, he was, he was around entrepreneurship, but I did go to college. Um, I thought I wanted to be an engineer about six weeks in. I realized that was not what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, much to the chagrin of, of everybody. And so I decided to go into business, didn't know what kind of business, Chose international business. Nice. Was able to go abroad for a year and go to school in Holland at the International Business School. I just mm-hmm. learned a ton. Yeah. Didn't speak Dutch then. Still don't speak Dutch today. <laughs> but, man, I learned a ton. And um, it's just such a great experience being around so many different cultures and other people from around the world. Did that for a year. Came back. During my junior year of college, I started my own business. It was a web-based kind of vendor portal for 
anything having to do with live music, production, staging, lighting, rigging, equipment, all that. Mm. This is before Google, yep. so you couldn't find those things. Right. And so I created a database of all the vendors around the Southeast, and yeah. then people paid to have access to that database online, and I made money through banner ads and, and that sort of thing. Nice. So I did that all through college. Didn't make me a millionaire, but certainly provided nice, as my dad would say, beer and pizza money, Yeah. and, and kept me busy through college. And I graduated, went to work for a big company called Energen, mm-hmm. energy company. They were, they owned the Alabama uh, gas company, hired me to come in and help them do some work with launching a employee portal. Did that for a few years, got that off the ground, decided to go back to grad school, went back to Alabama to get World my, tight. thank you very much. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> went back uh, to get my MBA. And during that first semester of grad school, sold my business that was still going to a couple of guys. That was right, right kind of in the beginning of the dot-com boom, yep. 2002, 2003. Yep. And so so sold it, not a lot of money, but I knew that I didn't have time to fool with it anymore, and they wanted to do, th- do some things with it. Did that, finished up grad school, was recruited by Accenture, uh, went to work out of their Atlanta office in their technology strategy group, so to speak, and mm-hmm. traveled a good bit around the country on projects. Mm-hmm. Learned pretty quickly. I tell people I learned pretty quickly what I enjoyed doing, but I also, I think just as importantly, enjoy, uh, learned what I did not enjoy doing. Yeah. And so I've tried, I've tried to use those same, those frameworks as guardrails for me going forward and, and making decisions. And that's really when I think sort of the trajectory of career and purpose and all those things kind of changed for me. And I was working at Accenture. I was really busy. I was traveling all the time. And I got a call from someone who said, who I did not know, mm-hmm but who knew someone who knew me mm-hmm. and reached out and said, I am on the board of an organization in Birmingham, Alabama called the Entrepreneurial Center. It is one of the very first business incubators in America. Mm. It was started in the mid-80s, and this is in 2006 when I got this phone call. And the person said, and the woman who started it now really wants to expand and evolve the kind of incubator it is and and think about the way she can serve entrepreneurs um, and really grow economic mobility in Birmingham and help shift and change what's happening in Birmingham. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I'm a really smart guy, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't even know what an incubator is. And this is, I don't think this is the right thing. And he said, well, just just go meet with her and see. I think you'd be really good because you've got both perspectives. Right. You've got sort of the startup entrepreneurial perspective and the big corporate perspective. Yep. So I drove to Birmingham, met with her, was really impressed Really, really impressed with her and what she'd accomplished and the impact she'd had. So I decided to leave Accenture, took a pay cut, Wow! thought I'll go do this in Birmingham for a couple of years. I'll learn something new. I'll hopefully be able to have an impact. I like entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. This will be kind of neat. My family was still in Alabama, my mom, my dad, my sister, and I thought at least this gets me back closer, and then I'll, I'll do something else. And so I got there, and I just loved it. Mm-hmm. And and she and I went on to develop what became known as the Innovation Depot, which is one of the largest entrepreneurship support organizations in America. We I helped her; she really led it, but helped her raise about fifteen million dollars in Birmingham. Bought an old abandoned building in a part of downtown that had been disregarded for a long time. Transformed that into something people could be really proud of, and it became a catalyst for the development not only of the community around that location, but also a catalyst for the development of what would become a real startup and entrepreneurial ecosystem. And so I stayed on board. It was a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And I stayed on board longer than two years. 
obviously. I uh, loved it. And she retired in 2013 and asked me to take over as CEO. And so I did and then continued to sort of evolve what we did there and launched uh, the state of Alabama's first accelerator program and the first software developer boot camp and all these different things. Really proud of the impact on the community and seeing the opportunity that I know entrepreneurship brings um, really permeate throughout the community, throughout all of the community, not just certain aspects or certain pieces of the community, yeah. but really seeing that, that, that take hold and really begin to transform the community away from being stuck in legacy industries mm-hmm. to thinking about entrepreneurship and the growth of entrepreneurship. So really proud of that. Wasn't looking to go anywhere, excited about what we were doing. And then I got a phone call um, in the summer of 2019 from a woman who said, I'm working with a group in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they are really focused on growing their ecosystem and entrepreneurship and innovation and economic development, all these things. And she said, would you be willing just to have a conversation about what you've learned and and best practices? Never once mentioned a job, which Mm. was brilliant on her part. That's probably why she's a really good recruiter. Mm. And uh, and so I said, sure, if I can help, yeah, happy to. And she said, well, have you ever been to Tulsa? And I said, no. And she said, well, do you know where it is? And I said, I know it's in Oklahoma. Right. I don't really know where in Oklahoma right, it is. Right. And she said, okay, well, so that led to multiple phone conversations, which led to, hey, we'd like you to come out and just kind of see what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And I did and was blown away by the community, the opportunity here, the alignment between public, private, corporate, uh, philanthropic, mm-hmm. state, county, just so much alignment around entrepreneurship and so much happening. To, to drive the future of the state and the region that I thought, gosh, if I can go there and, and help have an impact and help drive some of that, why, why, why wouldn't I, why, why shouldn't I do that? And so, and I also believe too, that part of being an entrepreneur is making yourself uncomfortable and, and building things and loving to take on opportunities and get in and, and get out of your comfort zone. And I was proud of what we'd done in Birmingham, but I also realized that, I am really, really good at building things, mm-hmm. and I enjoy building things. And I'm I can maintain things all day long. You're a sh- yeah, you're a ship, you're a shipbuilder, yeah, and not and, yeah. not, and not, a, I'm, not a sailor. No, right. I'm good at it. Right. But I, do I enjoy it? Right. No, it it doesn't fire me up as much as really building things and getting people aligned behind something and, and driving towards a goal. Right. So I packed up, much to the surprise, I think, of everybody in Birmingham, and moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Loaded up my dogs and. Here I am, right? Wow. That was in, I got here, I started, it was funny, so this, I'm actually, this week is actually two years to the day. Wow. So I, my first day was the Tuesday after Labor Day in 2019, wow. uh, which is pretty exciting to see everything that's happened since. And now uh, you're with us, so we're, it's been right. a happy anniversary. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. No one else I'd rather spend my my Tulsa anniversary with oh, than to be a Tinto podcast team. I'm telling you, man, that's, <laughs> that's a heck of a story. Yeah. You know, I, I I have family all throughout Alabama, so my both my grandmother and grandfather on my father's side oh. are both uh, from Alabama. So okay. I'm very familiar with, you know, I got fun, I got family down in Putnam mm-hmm. and Yafala mm-hmm. and Abbeville. Mm-hmm. And there's another one of them. I can't remember all mm-hmm. these little towns yep. that, uh, you know, some of their front porches are chicken coops. And, you know, you had that door with the hinge on there. Yep. And, you know. Yep. But, it's like the town I grew up in, man. Yeah. I remember going to Alabama and all the red dirt and whatnot and, and just the history of all oh, that, yeah. that, you know, it's 
beautiful place. And so you, you, you've now segued from Birmingham to Tulsa, and you're doing amazing things here with 36 Degrees North. Kudos to you for thank the ribbon cutting last oh, week and all that you know you guys are doing. You have a great team, by the way. Yes, I do. And so I, I want you to just talk a little bit about the evolution of 36 Degrees um, over over its its life, as mm-hmm. well as the evolution of it since you've been there. Yeah, great, great question. Well, well, first, thank thank you for the for the kind words about the ribbon cutting for, for the incubator. And you know, I can't. I can't underscore this enough. I'm sure both of you know and would agree with this, but it, it takes such a great team yes. to make progress, to make things happen. And I get the benefit and the privilege of being the one that speaks to you both or gets to be at these ribbon cuttings. Right. But you know, none of that happens. None of that's possible without a team of dedicated, smart, humble, hardworking people. And yeah. I am... I'm just so honored to to have that and to be able to work with such incredible people. Yeah. Um, so I'll say that first, but mm-hmm. so 30, so 36 degrees North um, was founded really as the, the genesis of the public and private sectors coming together with the, with the, 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 the theory or the hypothesis that Tulsa needed a place, a physical place mm-hmm. for entrepreneurs and remote workers and freelancers and, and, and business owners, small business owners and students and all these people that were kind of loosely connected around the entrepreneurship as, a, as, a, as an idea. Yeah. But a place for all those individuals just to come and gather and work. Mm-hmm. And so the, a group of public and private partners came together and formed 36 Degrees North. And it opened 2016 was really sort of the beginning of when it, when it opened. And, and they, the model they settled on initially was co-working. A yeah. co-working model, which is, I think, probably the right model to start with. Mm. And co-working, I always equate it to like a gym. Right. It's like a gym membership, right? It's 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 all focused on the individuals and how we can serve the individuals and create a community for those individuals. Absolutely. And and I think when Tulsa was in the very early stages of deciding what kind of ecosystem and what kind of demand there was for for resources, I think co-working was perfect. And so it launched as a co-working space at our base camp location. Mm-hmm. Um, about a year and a half later, um, the second location, which is where we are now, our Camp 2 location, opened really to provide more co-working space mm-hmm. and some additional small office space. But again, it was all focused on co-working in the individual. And when I got here in, in fall of 2019, what I realized after having conversations with stakeholders and entrepreneurs in the community and business owners and capital providers and all these different, all these different groups was there was a little bit of a misalignment Mm -hmm. in that people were saying, you know, wow, 36 degrees North is beautiful. It's an incredible co-working space. And it is, it's probably one of the nicest I've seen in the country. It's so well, well well-designed and and, and appointed, Mm -hmm. but there was a little bit of a, a little bit of a misalignment because people were saying, well, that's great, but where are the companies? Right. Where are the, where's the investment dollars? Where's yeah. the growth in jobs? Where's the economic impact? Mm-hmm. And and what I because I've been doing this a long time, what I realized was you had two you had two things that didn't quite align. Right. Because co-working is fantastic for bringing people together, bringing right. individuals together, solo entrepreneurs, freelancers, the people I mentioned. It's not great for people that are trying to build and scale companies. Right. And it's as simple as, I mean, it's not complex, but 
you know, Aaron, I always say like, if you came and said, Devin, I've got a, a, a software product or a service or something that I'm launching and I've, it's me and a co-founder and I'm going to hire one more person. So I'm going to have three people. And if we get some traction, when we close a couple of these big sales we're, we're working on, by the end of this month, I'll, I'll hire two more people. Mm-hmm. And then I think we might be able to raise a seed round. And by the end of the year, we might be up to like five or six people. Right. Well, in a co-working space. It doesn't offer that. I, all I could say is, hey, that's great. I can give you three desks kind in of a room together. full of other desks. Yeah. And maybe they'll be together, yeah. right? Yeah. And at the same time, th- when you have a co-working space, again, the financial model is all built on the individual. Right. So I'm on one hand saying, hey, I want you to be successful. I want you to hire more people. But when you hire more people, guess what I'm going to do? Take more money. I'm going to give you a bill for another membership, right? right? And if, when you have a group of co-working individuals you don't have any consistency among the membership yep which is a good thing mm-hmm. for that community right because you want them to because move on. you want them to move on right but at the next stage as you're trying to build a, a business i want to be able to provide we want to be able to provide programming and resources right. and perks mm-hmm. that are really applicable to everyone in that space right and I can't do that in a co-working space. If I brought in someone to say, gosh, let's have an investor come in and talk about negotiating term sheets or, mm-hmm. or cleaning up your cap table or raising a Series A, mm-hmm. that's probably not applicable to most people in a co-working space because they're solo entrepreneurs or they're freelancers or they're remote workers that are never going to raise capital. Correct. There might be one or two entrepreneurs in there that might ultimately raise capital. It would be beneficial to them, but, it, but it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a good fit. Right. If we have a space that's dedicated 100% to high-growth, scalable entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that are looking to build teams, raise capital, and grow a business, it allows us to come in and say, all right, what can we provide from a programmatic standpoint that would be beneficial and applicable to all of you? And you can all learn from each other because you're all doing the same thing. Right. Right? If I'm in a room full of carpenters, guess what I'm going to learn a lot about? Carpentry. Carpentry, Right. Same thing. Same mm-hmm. principle applies. If I'm in a room full of people building businesses, raising capital, and scaling mm-hmm. their their companies, I'm going to get better at that. And right? a little bit of competition is 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 baked in there too. One hundred percent. A little bit of like they add another player. Oh, we got to add that's somebody. That's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. they, they just they just closed their round of funding. We better get on it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. You're exactly right. Absolutely. And I think that's that was part of what was missing. Yeah. And so I said, okay, well, I don't want to. I'm not going to throw out. One thing. What's bacon? Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. not going to do that. Right. I, it, that works. Yeah. And co working is important, but it's not a this or that. It's a this and that. Yep. Right. Both and, and so we need to have this and a space for yes. high growth companies. And that was where the genesis of the idea for the incubator focused on those kinds of companies. Yeah. And so we, that's what we've done. So in the last year, we've worked on that, even within, throughout the pandemic, figuring out how do we create a space that can serve those scaling entrepreneurs. They can provide consistency of the membership mm-hmm. and they can help really drive the economic impact from a company growth perspective, an investment perspective, and a resource perspective. Because at the end of the day, you know, man, what what I want is what you both want. Yeah. Which is Tulsa to be the best version of Tulsa it can be. Absolutely. And for that to happen, entrepreneurship has to be ingrained in the economic development strategy mm-hmm. and people throughout the community in all parts of the community have to understand that entrepreneurship is a viable path and they have to have access to the resources to take advantage of that opportunity. And, yeah. and, and if we don't do that, 
we're, we're going to fail as a, as a community. We're going to fail. One thing I love about the incubator that you all have perfectly engineered, in my opinion, is the fact that it's a space that has the fish and the fishermen in the same location. Yeah. You have the venture funds and the businesses that in the same location. Yeah. You know, they always say fish where the fish are, right? Mm-hmm. And and for the venture fund for the you know the, the firms to have a space right in an incubator where they can see the new business that just came in that's trying to scale, have talks with them daily around critical things or cap tables or, <laughs> you know, uh, you know what their TAM, you know, the TAM mm-hmm. is in their market and how they can better seize the market based on their, their growth tra- trajectory or whatever. Mm-hmm. That All of that is important. And in, in other cities, New York, San Francisco, Miami, those things may be on the other side of the city. Yeah. But in Tulsa, in the 36 Degrees uh, North Incubator, it's in it's, it's within a 50,000 square foot. <laughs> That's uh, right. Just <laughs> right down the hall. They're right down the hall. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, all of the, from You're the right. base camp to the base camp two to the incubator hub. I mean, those are, each one is a success of what came before, right? Because 36 Degrees North, when it first launched, people were like, what's a co-working space? What's entrepreneurship? Exactly. Like the, the town itself had to be educated on these things. And yeah. so, and you know, at the beginning you do want to throw everyone together, but then eventually like you need, like people sometimes need office space. Like again, uh, Attento Capital was in one room for like a month before they <laughs> outgrew true. it yeah, and then had to move to another thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But that's what you want. That's right? exactly But it. some people, you know, are just remote workers and just need a desk and don't want to do work from home. That's right. You know, pre-pandemic. Right. You know, what's funny is I've been working from home for two years now and I kind of want an office now. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like, I'm like, God, I want to get out of my house. I want yeah. to see people again. Yeah. But, but you know, but you're exactly right, Jesse, because like I think about we, there's no way we could have accomplished the incubator yeah. without the co-working space first and it being successful and being wildly successful. Right. So I always say, I don't want to discredit that in any way, shape or form. Right. Right. It is. That's what allowed us the opportunity to think bigger, bigger and yep. what's next and yep. what's what, how do we serve the next stage of entrepreneurs? If that had not been successful, if leadership had not come together in Tulsa to create 36 degrees North base camp, we wouldn't, I wouldn't be sitting here and talking. We wouldn't be having this conversation because that's what allowed us to think about it. That's what allowed 36 to evolve and for us to even think about what the next chapter looks like. And you do. You have to educate a community. You have to create awareness. You have to create visibility. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I'm really proud of about the incubator is that when I got here, Aaron, maybe for you as well, when I got to Tulsa, I said, hey, where's the startup community? Yeah. Where's the startup community? Do you have one? And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We got one. We got one. I was like, great. Where is it? And they're like, well, you know, there's a company over there. And then if you go, you know, then you got to go over there to that, to down that, that part of town over right. and that, and there's a, there's a company there. Oh, and you know, and then you should also probably go down to South Tulsa. There's a company. I'm like, that just doesn't feel, yeah. you don't feel like you have the density. Right. And by creating a space where that's all you see, when you walk in the door, you're surrounded by startups, you're mm-hmm. surrounded by capital providers. Yeah. It becomes like a tangible, visible representation of the ecosystem, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about well, where are they. Just walk in that door. Yeah. You're going to see a ton, right? Yeah. You're going to see a ton of them. So the so that matters. And to your point too, Aaron, I think the thing that people forget is that we're never going to be Silicon Valley. Right. Never. Never. We're yeah. never going to be Boston, New York. Right. That's never going to happen. Right. And people who say, oh, you can be the next Silicon Valley. Nope. 
Not going to happen. Yeah, we don't want to. Why, yeah, why would we want to be? Yeah, yeah I, I, I like being able to afford where I live. <laughs> yeah, I know. 100%, right? And, and, but, but I think what we can do is create the conditions that have made those areas successful for startups. Yes. Because, you know, out, out on the East Coast or the West Coast, you can throw a rock and hit an entrepreneur yep. or an investor mm-hmm. or maybe both at the same time, right. right? In Tulsa, you can't do that. So what we have to do is create the conditions yeah. for those interactions <laughs> to take place, for those collaborations to take place, and for that exposure and awareness to be created. And and that's a big part of what both Basecamp does for solo entrepreneurs, freelancers, remote workers, but it also does it in the incubator for these high-growth, scalable startup companies. Yeah. So that's the goal. Well, that goes back to, you know, the, the fact that, you know, community is comprised of what? Communication and unity, right? That's right. And so when you when you build that space that both take place in the same four walls, you can have communication amongst these investors as well as the, the, the founders. And then you also have the unity amongst them mm-hmm. where they are, they're all growing together. They're all looking for what's next. That's right. They're all want to have a nice exit. They all want to scale fast and get high returns. They like everybody is swimming the same way upstream. Mm-hmm. And man, I'll tell you, you, what you guys are doing at 36 is, is, it is a microcosm of what's going on in Tulsa overall, right? Yeah. The energy that is like palpable in Tulsa yeah. is just, it's pretty amazing. I want you to take a moment and just kind of juxtapose. You had your, your, your impact in Birmingham with the incubator and with all the things. And now here in Tulsa, and you've been here, you know, two years now. Juxtapose the two ecosystems and the the fiber of them. What What makes... Birmingham sexy and sizzle what makes Tulsa sexy and sizzle and a place that people you know they both are cities that most people wouldn't be inclined to just visit but mm-hmm. t- tell us a little bit about that from a yeah and while you're answering that question also tell us which city has more street construction <laughs> <laughs> that's a great question um I'll I'll answer I'll answer the first part of the question <clears throat> Uh, I think, you know, for me, I love, I love the fact that it's unexpected. Both communities are unexpected in terms of like entrepreneurship, startup, innovation, they're unexpected. And so you're already, you're already kind of, when you, when you begin to do things, Mm -hmm. if, if we were doing this out, if we were all having this conversation out in the Bay Area, nobody would care. Yep. They'd go, so what? Yeah. Right. You and everybody else. So what? The fact that we're having this conversation from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. Makes people go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. Tulsa, Oklahoma? Hmm, maybe I'll look into that. What's happening there, right? Right. So there's that unexpected quality mm-hmm. that I think gives us a little bit of an advantage when people start, when we start doing things and doing it well. Absolutely. Right? Um, I think the other the other piece is, and, and I'll juxtapose it a little bit. You know, when I when I got to Birmingham, it there was really not much of a startup ecosystem, really. Okay. It was... There were entrepreneurs, but it was primarily a lot of service businesses, mm-hmm. historical like manufacturing businesses. There was really not a lot of tech or a lot of a lot of like what I would call high growth startups activity. Um, that began to change over time, but it began to change because we try to be intentional about saying, "Look, we don't need to come in and recreate the wheel here. Right. We don't need to suddenly plant a flag and say we're going to be the home of." naval technology and innovation. I mean, nobody would have, you know, 
what we did was we said, what industries are here? Manufacturing, financial services, healthcare. Those things were already there to some extent. And, and the thought was, if we can support startups and entrepreneurs and innovation that are creating companies that will be complementary to those industries mm. or that will sell into those, and because that's the talent base you have. Exactly. I've got a, in Birmingham, we had a ton of people in manufacturing, tons. Yeah. So we're saying, okay, you don't have to recreate, we have to create a whole new industry. How do we take technology to make manufacturing better, make it advanced? Yeah. Be, how do we, how do we, how do we, and that's what people knew. Mm-hmm. So it gave us a little bit of a, of, of momentum in getting the tech ecosystem and the innovation ecosystem kind of going. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is there has to be, there has to be a, a thriving community in place already because nobody i don't care how good uh, incubator you got or capital sources or whatever you have to have a thriving art scene you have to have cultural activities you have to have a sense of community Mm -hmm. for people to want to be part of it and there's been a huge shift i would say in the last five to ten years of young people specifically young people Mm -hmm. saying you know yeah i could live out in the bay area I can get a job, and I can make a lot of money, but my quality of life is going to be terrible. Mm-hmm. And I don't really get to have an impact. I just kind of get to have a job. Right. And I don't know that that's that appealing to me anymore because technology has leveled the playing field. Right. Right? Which is what the whole remote work thing is. It's like I don't have to be right. on the East Coast or the West Coast. I can be anywhere. And why not choose to be somewhere that has – a great quality of life and a thriving arts and a thriving local culture that I can be part of and where I can go and have an impact. Mm -hmm. That was part of the selling point in Birmingham. I think it's an even stronger selling point for Tulsa. And that's why I love what Tulsa remote is doing and Mm -hmm. what Tulsa remote has done to bring people to here to Tulsa, because I feel like, yeah, it may be a challenge to get people here, Mm -hmm. but once they're here, they love it. I feel like it's a challenge to get them to leave. Absolutely. Right? They just don't want to leave then. I mean, I'm, I'm a perfect example. I came out and I was like, yeah, okay, I've never been to Tulsa. I'll go check it out. Yeah. And then I came and I thought, man, this place, I am really impressed by what's happening there. Absolutely. So I think from a just for, from a talent of people and the kind of people that are going to help build kind of the, the next iteration of what Tulsa can be, mm-hmm. those people are going to be the ones that are going to be starting these businesses, working at these entrepreneurial companies, working with startups. And you have to have all those pieces in place. I think Tulsa has that. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, the last thing I'll say is, I mentioned this at the very beginning, but I cannot underscore how important it is, the alignment yeah. throughout the community, man. That is, you know, and, and, and I love Birmingham. I'm very proud of, of what I was able to do with others in Birmingham mm-hmm. and proud of the legacy there. But you didn't have as much alignment there as I have experienced here mm-hmm. um, in Tulsa. You had, you had some alignment. But you didn't have complete alignment. Yeah, I've experienced, and maybe I—I I don't know of anywhere else. Of course, I haven't lived everywhere, right. but of the places I've lived, Tulsa has the most alignment. I agree with you. Of any community I I've agree. ever been a part of, hundred percent. It's, it's every, amazing. Everyone in Tulsa wants everyone else to succeed, which is not the case in other places. Like I no. lived, I lived in Boston for twelve years. It never would have occurred to me to start my own business there. And even if I wanted to, I wouldn't have been able to start the business I did start because I w- would have already been pushed out by that's right other other competition. That's right. And so, you know, for anyone listening, if you have an idea that's oversaturated where you live. Come to Tulsa. Start yeah. here. Yeah, so. that's great. And, and, and it, it is it is definitely a sense of shared prosperity, mm-hmm. and it's a it is a sense of uh, it's it's a very selfless 
community here, yeah. I, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, in the people I interact with, the people I talk with, no one, even in this space, mm-hmm. no one's like, oh my gosh, you know, well, you need to make, we need to make sure we get credit for that. And if we get credit, then you can't get credit. And right. I, who cares, right? right? I mean, well, that's just not our, it's not 36's mentality. And I don't feel like that's the Tulsa mentality. I get there's this shared sense of prosperity and yeah. a shared sense of, of we all want people to be successful. Yeah. And that alignment and the realization that entrepreneurship is key. It mm. is essential to the future of this city, to this state, to this region. This country. Yeah, 100%, yeah. right? And so many places are focused exclusively on recruitment and retention. Mm-hmm. We're going to recruit big businesses, recruit big manufacturing facilities, and we're going to make sure that we retain all our existing businesses so they don't get recruited somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And that's all they do. And there is a, a realization and, a, and an alignment among all, all the different aspects of this community that, yeah, those two things are important, and we should keep doing those things. Mm-hmm. But the third thing we need to do is grow new businesses. Right. And that means support entrepreneurs, have the right infrastructure, have the right workforce, have the right capital and the right incentives, mm-hmm. which is why I get excited with things like the fact that there's a state certification program and process for incubators, right? That's not that's not the norm mm-hmm. in this country. Most states don't certify incubators. Right. Oklahoma does. It's not an easy process. Mm-hmm. The Department of Commerce, you have to go through this lengthy diligence to be a certified incubator and that means something mm. it means that if you're certified and you're a state certified incubator it's a it's a credibility thing and it also means that the companies that are going through your incubator don't pay any corporate income tax in oklahoma for up to 10 years nice i have no idea how they got that through the legislature but i'm thankful that they did well again oklahoma's not fan we're, we're not a fan of taxes here so right. <laughs> there you go good, good good point yeah right. so so but there's those kind there are those kinds of things that are incentives yeah for a startup, right? Absolutely. I mean, the same kind of incentives that apply to, I'm going to bring a big manufacturing facility to Tulsa. That's right. great. I think that's awesome. Let's keep doing that. Mm. And there are incentives in place to do that. Right. Those is, those incentives have no advantage at all to startups or entrepreneurs. Right. None. But an incentive of, hey, if you go through a state-certified incubator, you come here to start and build your business, you're not going to pay any corporate taxes for 10 years. Mm. That's that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. Right? I, w- I wish I had that. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's a big deal, right? So yeah. there's those kinds yeah. of things. And I, I think those kinds of those kinds of efforts, those kinds of initiatives, are examples of that alignment that I speak of. Yeah. And I think back to your question. I think that's one of the reasons. If I compare and contrast right. ecosystems or communities, I think that's one of the reasons that Oklahoma and specifically Tulsa have a real opportunity to kind of plant the flag and do something that's innovative and can have an incredible impact in a place that is unexpected. And that raises awareness and gets people's interest across the country. Nice. You know, like I, I, I was going to say, like, instead of trying to recruit Tesla to come here, use, use what you were going to use as an incentive to move them here to allow a new Tesla to grow out that's of it. Tulsa instead, right? right? Yeah, Which will, is better for everyone involved. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking about economic development and realizing that if you pick up, a, if, if a company is manufacturing cars in Ohio, mm-hmm. And you, as a state, incentivize them to pick up and move that factory to Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Overall, as a, as a nation, there's really no net gain. Right. You're just moving the jobs from one place to another, and the state that you're moving it to is going to have to deeply incentivize you to move there. And the place you leave behind, you've now got a workforce of people that have been trained in a specific skill that's probably not transferable. Right. I know how to put doors on cars. 
if the car factory leaves, what do I know how to do? Right. Sit well, at home and talk about how to put cars on doors, right? right? Yeah. So, so, but, but, but if you but if you focus those same kind of resources, or at least a portion of those resources, mm-hmm. on putting the right infrastructure, capital, workforce, and incentives in place to help people start and grow businesses, mm-hmm. you're going to create much better long term consistency, much more economic mobility, and transferable skills, and you're going to create wealth. Yeah. Because those companies are going to grow, and they're going. To, some of them are going to be successful. And Telsa should know that because, especially in the '80s, this is before all you've got here, uh, you know, American Airlines moved a lot of their offices to Telsa, and a lot of new people came to town. It was great, and then American Airlines moved those offices again, mm-hmm. and then those people didn't. The people who didn't want to follow after, you know, I think it was here for like 15 years. Yeah, they had to find new jobs, and what, what was the net gain of that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, what was, and what was the cost to the community? Yeah. overall for that, yeah. Right? That's why I just am a big believer in entrepreneurship and the and what it can bring. And long term, I don't think it's a battle over. I think long term economic development is not a battle over big, 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 big manufacturing, big yeah. companies, big corporations. I think it's a battle over talent. Yeah, and I think it's a battle over creating the right conditions, incentives, and environment for those talented people to build and grow companies. Well, like they say, you know, the real power in money is not how much you make it's how many jobs you create with it. So like if a company has amazing returns, but they're not creating jobs, it it, it doesn't, it, there's no impact yep. uh, to a broader, you know, a broader audience. Yep. And so there, there's, there's something to be said for the fact that, you and, and you know your staff, you you guys are literally, you have three different incubators in the, well three different spaces throughout the city that ideas are being baked and businesses are being birthed and ingenuity is taking place and innovation is taking place. How do we in Tulsa pull in the universities? So I'm from Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. At the very helm of innovation is Carnegie Mellon University. Yeah. yeah, They are driving all the Google activity there. All of the Facebook is there now. All of the, you know, Uber is there now because of Carnegie Mellon. They have a 14-building campus throughout Pittsburgh. Universities. Public universities, public, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, because that's always been a strike against Tulsa. It doesn't have a large-scale public university. Yeah, right. I agree. I think if, if I were to look across across the just sort of the, the spectrum, mm-hmm. if you look at the the pluses and minuses from a like a startup ecosystem yeah. or, a, or or an entrepreneurial ecosystem, that is a detriment. Yeah, it does. I don't think it's I don't think it's like a, a death nail in the coffin. Right. But I think it's a detriment. But I but I also think that if we can think intentionally about how to leverage the resources we do have. Do have, yeah. Right, because we do have universities here. We do. Right? Yeah. And we've got extension campuses yep. of the two largest public universities in the state here. Mm-hmm. And I think if we approach them and say, we really want to focus on this and we really want to engage the students and we really want to engage your knowledge and your resources to help us create new businesses and create new technologies and new innovations, I think they're willing to do it. Yeah. I just don't know that there's been a concerted effort to really appeal to them in that way. Yeah, I think it's starting to happen now. We're starting to have those conversations and people are starting to think about it and University of Tulsa is starting to think about how they can, wow, we've got this incredible cybersecurity program. How? Right. What do we do with that? How yeah. do we actually maybe think about creating intellectual property and creating new businesses based on that incredible knowledge 
depth of knowledge that we have right here. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they had ever really been approached in that way. Yeah. And I also don't think Tulsa was really at a place where it could approach those those universities, right? We right. didn't have the right resources. We didn't have the right leadership here to think about what the future of that's going to look like because and I'll, I can say this because I'm not from here, but anytime you have a community where you have where it's dominated by one industry right. or one or two mm-hmm. industries and those those industries are doing really 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 well, yep. it creates a lot of apathy and a lot of laziness. Yep. Because I don't have to I don't have to innovate. Yep. I don't have to leverage my resources. Mm-hmm. I don't have to think about how to really take advantage of the universities that are here and the students that are here. And why should I? Yeah. Right. I, we've got two great industries here that help build this community and those industries are doing great. And hey, for now, yeah, right, well, yeah, that's what I mean. And, yeah. and, and until then they're not. Yep. And then everybody panics. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not picking on oil and gas or no, energy no. at all. That's incredibly important. Right. And I think it is a big part of the yeah. future of Tulsa, but it is, it is, you know, hundred percent, right? 100%. I mean, I mean, Birmingham had, was the same way historically. It was dominated by like manufacturing steel. Yeah. That was it. It was steel. It was the Pittsburgh of the South. It was steel. Yeah. Pittsburgh, same thing. I mean, they went, you know, after the seventies, Pittsburgh went about 30 years almost like with, with not a real, they still had the moniker of the steel city, but not but, a lot. But not indeed. Yeah. Like it, you, you know, you have a hard time. There's still still industry there, and there's coal and whatever. But, but it, it very mm-hmm. much lost, like Detroit did. It lost mm-hmm. the essence of what it was. That's right. And, and it, it, it kind of, I feel like it sort of not to cut you up, but I feel like it sort of wandered in the wilderness. Absolutely. Birmingham did. Detroit did. Absolutely. I think Pittsburgh yeah. did. Yep. And then it, what, what happened was they began to repurpose those old steel mills along the river. And now they have redefined themselves as the city of eds, meds, and tech, right? Mm-hmm. But it took them almost 25 years, to mm-hmm. 30 years or so to understand, like, what was is no more. That's right. You know, 66% of the Eiffel Tower made in Pittsburgh, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you go throughout cities and railroads and, uh, you know, Carnegie, Carnegie Mellon, right? Yeah. It, all of that, Pittsburgh, right? Uh, the railroad systems and how he made his money, actually, you know, a lot of that was birthed out of uh, the railroad systems and and the steel that went along with them. And these guys made a ton of money in that time period. Well, today it's no more. No, people aren't building things like that anymore. Now the businesses that they're building are done on the computer. Mm-hmm. And you know, we even with crypto and blockchain and all mm-hmm. this other stuff, like there's no building for that. Right. It, it's happening in algorithms. And, and so Pittsburgh, it took them a while to figure that out. But once they re-identified themselves and, and kind of like the Phoenix kind of mm-hmm. rose as this new thing, Next thing you know, they start getting the most livable city in America. They're in the New York New York Times as uh, one of the best cities to live in America. And, and there's all this. They become a part of conversation. They become top of mind other mm-hmm. places. We're wondering, why do y'all want to come to Pittsburgh? And it's like, well, it's cheap. And there's this. And there's innovation. And things are happening. And there's yeah. rivers. And there's ro- roadways. And, yeah. And so I very much, and Mike and I, uh, Mike Bosch and I had a conversation about this even when he was recruiting me to Tulsa. He said, you know, Pittsburgh has kind of been where Tulsa is. Yeah. And we need as many people who've kind of seen this happen, help us navigate what this looks like and like get us to the next place. That's right. And that's so smart. And and, And that's the key, man. I mean, that's the, it's that understanding that 
what got us here isn't what's going to get us there. Exactly. And we, and we got to think differently about that. It doesn't mean we abandon that. No. It doesn't mean that we suddenly say, oh, we're not ever going to focus on oil and gas or energy. And, right. Yeah. How do we, again, how do we make sure that we, what is the, what is the energy industry 2.0, yep. 3.0 look like? Let's, why don't we make sure that Tulsa is the leader in that? Yes. Right? Why don't we make sure that instead of just sitting around and going, oh, gosh, times are good. Oil and, oil and gas is great. And we are, that's, that's what we've got here. Isn't that good? Let's think about, hey, what is the next version of oil and gas? What's the next version of energy look like? And how do we apply technology? And how do we apply innovation and entrepreneurship to that? Because we've leveraged what we have. Because we have an incredible wealth of knowledge here. Yeah. Incredible knowledge. Leverage that. Yeah. Leverage it and think about it. And so that's what, that's what I feel like. Is like people talk about like the secret sauce of the yeah. community and how to which ones make it, which ones don't make it. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to talent, yeah, and it's going to come down to like I don't. We don't have to recreate the wheel. We don't have to come out and say, "Gosh, we're going to suddenly become this thing over here." Right. Leverage what you've got, absolutely, and think about what the next best version of that can be, mm-hmm. and make sure all your resources and all your efforts are aligned behind making that the focus of your community because at the heart of it. Communities have identities, and and that's what you have to build on. And if you don't have an identity, or if you've lost your identity, then then it's time to really think through what you can leverage that is existing to create that that next version of identity. That's why I always say I don't want I don't want Tulsa to be Austin. No, I don't want Tulsa to be the Bay Area. Denver, I don't want Tulsa. No, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be the best version of Tulsa it can be. Yeah, because that means we'll be successful. We'll be authentic. The people that are here, the people that are coming, it will be authentic. We just have to be careful. We don't lose the things that made it special in the first place. Absolutely. If you talk to people in Austin today, they'll tell you very quickly. Yeah. The things that made Austin special are no more. Are no more. Yeah. They've lost those things, right? Yeah. And and you, that's why you're beginning to see an exodus even from from Austin. We've got you know, Arthur just moved here, yeah. right, from Austin, and, and and it's because of that reason. They're like, man, I, you know, it was great, mm-hmm. but it 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 lost a lot of what made it. Special, so we have to be thoughtful about that as we continue to build the next best version of Tulsa, that we don't lose the core and the heart of what what makes this place great. For sure. Last question: You, you have any? Yeah, I mean, I was just I was just gonna ask if everyone studied. I imagine maybe someone has the the cities that have an identity around an industry and what happens when the industry disappears and how long it takes. Because I feel like the the twenty to thirty year span seems to always be the case. Like it, it takes that long for a community to pivot to pivot for like a generation to pass so that new ideas and a new identity can form. I just, I mean, tell us the same way, like tell us went through multiple oil booms and crashes before it was like, okay, maybe we should have something else as well. And you know, from, it it was like from 1980 to like 2010, which is about 30 years. So like, yeah, I'll tell you what, the saving grace, cool white paper, wouldn't it? Cool cool research study on that. Yeah. You know, the saving grace may be that our current world is changing faster. In that boom that you're talking about, most of those people probably hadn't finished high school, right? And so there had to be a level of education that happened and whatever. They put their kids through high school. Then when the, when the let's say Detroit, when the car industry collapsed, most of those people probably were not college educated, you know? And so the world had passed them on. But, but now you're ta- talking about a population that is becoming more and more college educated 
Things are happening faster. And even the people who are not college educated, they're in industries that you don't need to be college educated. Mm-hmm. Like, if you can code and you're 15, it don't matter. If if you can do it, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. That's right. And so, like, so that may be the saving grace to make it not have to be 20 to 30 years to, when mm-hmm. the industry flips. But there still is a, a lag period when you put all your trust in one industry and all of a sudden it disappears. Yeah. There, there's going to be a lag. The gap may be shortening over time, but there's still going to be a little bit of a lag. Yeah. I don't want to keep you all night. Let's talk a little bit about 36. 2025, pie in the sky. What makes Devin's heart content with 36 degrees north and also say with the city of Tulsa what gives you like total nirvana I've thought about this a lot actually because as I, as I said I like to build things and so you, you kind of want to have an idea of what you want to build yep. so you can begin to do it so for 36 ultimately long term 2025 I want us to have a world class best practice best one of the best examples in the country of a true entrepreneur uh, innovation hub, mm-hmm. an ESO, so it's called the industry, an entrepreneurial support organization mm-hmm. that combines all the resources, all the different kinds of programming, all the different kinds of infrastructure, your capital providers, your resource partners, all your entrepreneurs, your remote workers, your freelancers, everything under one roof. Mm-hmm. So you've got a floor of co working. Mm-hmm. You got a floor for high growth incubation companies. You got a floor for accelerators. You got a floor that half of its capital providers, half of its resource providers. Mm. You got a floor that's full of workforce development students coming in from the universities, pulling in. And then what you do by bringing it all to one place is you facilitate and you create the conditions for those interactions among people that would normally not interact. Yeah. I do that. Not because I think 36 has to have and, and own all those things. Yeah. I do it because you all know this. I know this. Navigating an ecosystem is difficult. Yeah, it's difficult when you're in the when ecosystem in it, yeah. and you know the things. It's still hard. You know all the players and it's don't know what's still it, hard, yeah, right? Is, yeah. By having a centralized place that can almost serve as a front door. Yeah. So you you're a student and you're thinking about entrepreneurship, or you have an idea, or you are an investor and you want to know what's happening, or you're you're a startup, or you're a solo entrepreneur, you're a remote work. You know. That's the first place where I start. Yeah. I go there and you walk in the door and we'll almost triage you and yep. say, okay, you're at this stage or you're at this place. You need to, and we'll route you to the right resources. Yeah. Those may be programs that we run. Mm-hmm. They may be partner programs. Yep. Tulsa's Emerging 100 or others that, that we say, gosh, this is a great, great partner we have. Yeah. You'd be perfect for that. Yep. Let me, let me route you over there. Oh, and by the way, they're right up there. They're two floors up on the back hall. Right. So it's it's just providing that centralized location in an unexpected place and so that people around the country look up and go, look at that. Yeah. Look what they did. They planted the flag and they're true to themselves. They're true to Tulsa and they've created a world-class entrepreneurial support organization that is having a huge impact. Wow. We put a dollar amount on that. I mean, I for internally we say we want to have a billion dollars in economic impact on the Tulsa community. Okay. That's our 10-year goal. Nice, right? That's a big goal. That's a big goal. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I really don't know if we're going to get. It. I have no idea. Yeah, but I, I think we can. Yeah, but to do that, we have to have 
a solid pipeline yeah. of startups and investment and growth and, and capital and talent. Yeah. And we have to have the infrastructure yeah. that those things can can mingle, mm-hmm. interact, and and scale and grow yeah. without a lot of difficulty. Yeah. And so that's what I see the future. I don't want to have... I don't want to have three or four. I don't want there to be six, 36 degrees north locations yeah. in five years, right? Yeah. I want there to be one big one. Wow. Right? That pulls everything together under one roof. Because mm-hmm. from a culture standpoint, mm-hmm. from an interaction standpoint, from a community standpoint, mm-hmm. it's really hard to do it when you start siloing things. I agree. Right? It's, yeah. it's tough. Yeah. Put it together. Yeah. Put it all together. And that's that's the beauty of the diversity. And that's the beauty of the strength and all the different ideas and relationships is that those things can happen together in a space where all you need is a desk. Great. Yep. You can have a conversation with a startup up here because they actually may hire you because you're a freelancer. And that would be great. You know what I mean? And right. you, you begin to have those interactions. Yeah. That's what it's about. And then from a city of Tulsa standpoint. Yeah. I would love to see the city of Tulsa become known as a leader in inclusive innovation mm. and, and, and as a, as a real driver of economic mobility and wealth creation through entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. again, in a place that's unexpected. Right. And that has had historical, a lot of historical challenges and issues yeah. and, 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 and in, a, in a way for the community to be proud. Right. To look up and say, "Oh gosh, you know what? In Tulsa, you can you can build a business here. Yeah, you can create generational wealth here. Mm-hmm. No matter where in Tulsa you are, yeah, or where you're from, yeah, you can do it here because we have access to the resources. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get access to the opportunities. Mm-hmm. I know that it's not reserved for one segment of the of the community. It's for all the community. I want Tulsa to be a leader. Yeah. I want people to think of Tulsa, not for the race massacre, yeah, right." Not for oil and the boom and all. I want yeah. people to think of Tulsa as like they are doing innovation and entrepreneurship in an inclusive way, yeah. and they're leading that charge and they're they're planting the flag and saying we're going to own this. Yeah, if we can do that and do it in an authentic way, mm-hmm. man, God, that just gets me excited. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get, see you got goosebumps. Yeah, I, I really do. I mean, yeah. it, I get so excited yeah. thinking about it because I I've been the beneficiary of it. I mean, as I mean, I. I went to college because my my family had entrepreneurs in it, and yeah. it allowed me to be able to do that. Yeah. And I just have seen communities transform mm-hmm. when kids suddenly realize that maybe I, you know what, maybe I like playing video games. Maybe I don't want to go to college, but you know what? If I learn to code, yeah, maybe I could write a video. Maybe I could create a video. Maybe that could be a career for me. Right. When that light bulb of entrepreneurship goes off, man, there is it is a magical thing. Yeah, and to see. That doesn't mean everybody's going to be an entrepreneur no. and everybody can be or right. should be because right. you shouldn't. Right. But the fact that you're exposed to it and you're aware of it mm. and you see that as a viable path. Yeah. Man, that's exciting. Wow. That just, it fires me up. So I, so if, if we're talking, we have a, we do this again, 2025, yeah. we ought to be sitting in a ginormous yeah. hundred thousand square foot entrepreneurial support organization that has, that is the hub of a lot of this activity in the community. Yeah. And that Tulsa is in conversations around the country as a leader in inclusive 
innovation, and entrepreneurship. If only there was a, a large building that is going to be unused when it opens nearby that we could use. <laughs> I, I like where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been thinking that, yeah. and it's on, it's on the radar. All so. right, excellent. excellent. <laughs> That's great, man. I tell you what, I was I, what you just described with the, with the uh, ESO is what I experience a little bit uh, with Impact Hub Oakland. I started an incubator back home, Penn State, Mon Valley Launchbox. Shout out to Mon Valley Launchbox. There you go. And we wanted to see what this would look like in 10 years. And so somebody had told us to go out to see Impact Hub Oakland. And when I tell you what they did to this car dealership, they completely renovated it, turned it over. And it's this huge incubator space, probably about 40,000, 50,000 square feet. And what you know how cars you know car the showroom floor was like all single desks and it was mm-hmm. like you know Starbucksy mm-hmm. you know star, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah and then when you go upstairs those where the finance offices and stuff would be would, mm-hmm. but those were suites and those were play, uh, things like uh, Black Girls Code was in there and they mm-hmm. had moved from one desk to three desks to a, a to a office to a three office suite and then Google ended up getting them a place they just moved they were moving the week when I met the founder they were moving the week that we were visiting there and so it was a It was beautiful to see all of this happening in one building at one time and to see there where I'm trying to go. They talked about how like some of the people on the front on the ground floor had a marketing. All they do was marketing a freelance marketer or whatever. Mm -hmm. And but they're getting contracts with this company up in the upper corner and how it all was happening in the same fishbowl. It was so organic and beautiful to see. I don't know how they're doing now, but back in 18, they were they were. Kicking butt and taking bet, names. I'm sure they still are. Yeah, and so I, I, I've seen a little glimpse of what you're what you're describing, man. And I, if if when not if when we make this happen, this city will be better, this region will be better. I think the country will look at it and literally be in awe of the amazing work that happens when you bring people together for the greater good. And Tulsa is one of those places that really embodies us doing what we can to support the greater good. This has been a wonderful, wonderful time spent. Man, thank you. Yeah, we, we hopefully we can get to do this again before five years. I would love to. Uh, <laughs> but as you continue to grow and expand, you know, of course, I got your back, whatever you need from me. Same, man. Uh, Same. And uh, Jesse, we appreciate you sitting in and. Uh, adding your your flavor to all this. No, apparently I'm a, I'm an entrepreneur as I've learned uh, <laughs> over the past couple of years. You so. you 100% are, man. And and I'll just say last kind of thought for me yeah, is yeah. It, it takes it takes all all of us it does. doing that. Yeah. And the work that you're doing, Jesse, the work that you're doing, I mean, it takes all of us to do this. Yes. And the great thing about it is we all want the same thing. Absolutely. And we're all pulling the same wagon yeah. and we're all pulling it in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And that is not the same in every community across the country. Exactly. That's a unique benefit of Tulsa. Yeah. And I'm humbled and grateful to be here and, and that I get to work with smart people like y'all. And and I think we're going to look up in five years. I know. I've, I mean, I look up now and I've been here two years. Yeah. Yeah. I look up now and go, man, I just opened the largest tech incubator in Oklahoma. Yeah. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. In two years. And yeah. it took the partnerships with people yeah. like y'all yeah. and, and other organizations to do this, mm-hmm. to get us there. Man, I get excited and think in five years we're going to look up and we're going to be amazed. Yeah. And we should be very proud of what we've done so far, but also where we're headed on the path we're on, the trajectory we're on. And I'm, I'm just honored. Thank you all for letting me come in. And share a little bit and talk with you both. Absolutely. We appreciate your time. Um, 
All right. We thank you uh, all for listening and have a good day. Remember to uh, like and subscribe to this podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. <laughs>